0: Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Uh, Jeremiah 17, verse 7. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along the riverbank with roots that reach down deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay fresh and green, and they never stop producing fruit. All right, give your neighbor a high five. We've been talking, you need to sit down. We're talking about roots. Today we're going to talk about uprooted. What? Talking about getting uprooted. Not necessarily you getting uprooted, but some of the things in your life that need to be uprooted. So when we talk about this scripture, this is the promise, right? The promise is that we will be like trees planted along the riverbank, that will be fresh and green, will endure all seasons, we're always fruitful, we're always green, we're always useful. This is the promise, that you're always, it's always good. That which is coming out of you is always good. It doesn't matter what season you're in, right? What matters is where you're planted. And that's what this, season, this series has been about. So this is the promise, this is the promise that will be fruitful. That we'll have, we'll we'll have this beauty about us as the body of Christ. However, sometimes we don't see those promises fulfilled. Right? That's where frustration sets in. I, yeah, that's good, Pastor. But oh, that isn't working. What's going on? And so sometimes it's not necessarily the actual tree and it's not necessarily where the tree is planted but it's the other things that are growing around the tree that are keeping it from being fruitful. Everybody say weeds. So we all know what weeds are, right? If you have a house you and you have a yard, then you know how much of a pain weeds can be. In fact, once weeds start spreading, it becomes a real issue, right? It's an epidemic because the problem with weeds is weeds come in and they rob the things that you want to grow from growing. They rob them from the nutrients. They, ro- they rob them from the water. Come on, they steal everything so that the things that you want to produce can't produce. And I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life, I have to tend some weeds, Because it's, I might be in the word, I might be in church, I might be doing all the things that I need to do, I might have my devotional life down, but if I allow these weeds to take residence in my life, then they rob me from the nutrients that I need. So all the water that's supposed to be benefiting me and growing me, well all of a sudden that's feeding the weed. Don't feed the weed. Look at your neighbor neighbor and say, don't feed the weed. Look at your other neighbor and say, don't feed the weed. Weed the weed. Look at your other neighbor and say, "Don't smoke weed." Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. some of y'all didn't say that, right? All right, listen, weeds, weeds reduce productivity. Okay, they invade crops, smother pastures, they aggressively compete for water, nutrients, and sunlight, resulting in reduced crop, in a reduced crop, right? And a crop that, that produces a low quality. So some of you have low quality fruit in your life, and it's not because you're not doing the right things, it's because there's the presence of some things that don't need to be in your life. So instead of fr- producing fruit, you're feeding weeds, and the other thing about weeds, is weeds are op- op- opportunistic. Everybody say opportunistic. That's a hard word to say. English language, all right? So you, you guys know about weeds. They grow everywhere. You don't want them to grow. I mean, you don't really want them growing anywhere. But they, they grow on the grass. They grow on the cracks on the sidewalk, right? There's like, how, do, how does something, why can't grass grow there? The only thing that can grow there is weeds. Why? Because weeds thrive in places that are hard. Mm-hmm. How many know that just because something is growing doesn't mean it's healthy? Did you know that unhealthy things grow as well? I mean, cancer grows, that's not healthy. And can I tell you this that one of the ways that we know what healthy growth and what not healthy growth is is healthy growth is slow. <sighs> Weeds grow fast, they grow really fast. Uh, healthy things grow. But also, corruptible, deadly things grow. And weeds grow, and they grow fast. Some weeds grow really slow, and they just dig in their roots. But, but what I've seen is weeds can, can spring up pretty quick. The next thing you know, you're like calling orc, you know, not orc, and they deal with other kinds of pests. But you know, the, the green guys or whatever, they're coming out and spraying their lawn, like, well, we can spray it. But eventually, you have to go out there, and you have to dig up the weeds. So you can put stuff on it. We're pretty good about putting stuff on our weeds, right? Just kind of trying to cover them up, trying to mow over them. But the thing is, is with weeds, you have to get down and you got to pull out the root. If I say the root. So, you know, I, I mean, I can go out and I can mow my weeds. I do it, right? I, I'm, I'm a lawn guy. I like working in the lawn. But if there's weeds, I don't really want to spend two hours working in the yard today, just one hour. I just mow right over them. And it looks better for a couple of days. It does for a couple of days. But every time, they're still growing. They're still growing beneath the surface. They're still working. They're still robbing my grass. Why don't your grass look green? Because I got weeds. And they're stealing all the nutrients that my grass needs to grow. Hebrews chapter 12. Check this out. Work at living in peace with everyone. Everybody say everyone. Even people you don't like. Oh. Even harder, right? Work at peace. Some people you have to really work at peace. Right? We know. Yeah. And work at living a holy life. Oh. I thought we just rested and live in living a holy life. Actually, Scripture says right here that we work at living a holy life. So, yes, rest in what Jesus did, and then work at letting it play out in your life. Right? For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Oh, there it is, right there. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And it says this, verse 15, look after each other. Now It it doesn't say look at each other and point. It says look after each other. What does look after mean? It means like what I do with my kids. I look after my kids most of the time, right? Make sure that they're not getting into trouble because I care for them and it's driven by my love, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of god. We all need grace. So let's look after one another so we can receive the grace of god. And then he says this, watch out. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Make sure, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness Grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. How many know that the thing that is growing in, in you will contribute to the environment that you're in? Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, whatever is growing in you is, is going to influence the world around you. So, what we need to stop doing is complaining about all that's around us and start producing to transform that which is around us. Now, a lot of commentators agree that this scripture, this root of bitterness that the apostle talks about here is a person. Don't let a person that's coming in and being divisive and being angry and stirring up strife all the time, get rid of that thing, uproot it. And, and, and I agree, that, that could be a person and I, I think it probably is a person, but even if it is a person, it is speaking of the posture of a person. Are you with me? The posture of a person. Right, Because we know that God even loves (laughs) And Jesus even died for The most ridiculous, annoying Poisonous, toxic person Jesus died for them He loves them too Lest you forget So really what we're dealing with here Is posture, a root of bitterness And most of the time when we read this scripture Because bitterness is part of our culture It's part of our thinking We automatically say Well that's talking about bitterness Right? Bitterness like cold-hearted, like hard-hearted, right? That's what we think it's talking about. However, it is not limited to bitterness. See, the the Hebrews called every kind of poisonous root or weed a root of bitterness. So anything that would come in and would cause something that was supposed to be good and sweet and fruitful and kept it from being that way, they refer to it as a root of bitterness. This is what the Hebrew people would refer to as a root of bitterness. So scripture, the scripture here isn't specific, specifically talking about bitterness. However, bitterness can be included in that. It is talking about anything that would come in and spoil what God is doing in the church what God is doing in your life. Anything that would come in to your life and keep you from being fruitful like a weed is a root of bitterness, okay? So we think bitterness, we think this mentality, and it does include that, but it's not uh, its not limited to that. Are you guys with me? So basically what he's saying here is that anything that would come in and challenge holiness or wholeness, let me say that again any, because this is what he's talking about, right? He's talking about holiness. Anything that would come into your life and keep you from being holy with an H or holy with a WH, right? Anything that would hinder your holiness or your wholeness could be a root of bitterness. Something that would come in and rob you from being fruitful. Anything that would hinder you being fruitful. God wants to uproot from your life. The the thing that happens is it doesn't just hinder and corrupt the victim. It actually corrupts us, those that are in your life. And we talked about community in this series. Troubles many. See, bitterness, this root of bitterness, the issues that you're dealing with, that you're struggling, have resounding influence. Your issues are my issues. Your successes are also my successes. Your failures are also my failures because we are in this thing together. And so I can't afford, brother, to allow that thing to eat you up anymore because not only is it destroying you and I love you deeply, it's also destroying him and it's also destroying her and it's also destroying me. So let's deal with that thing We're not going to be ugly. Listen, we're not going to be ugly and bitter about the way that we deal with bitterness. We're going to be tender. We're going to be gracious. We're going to be merciful, but we're going to have a conversation about it. And we're going to say, man, let's deal with some of this junk. Because I want you to be fruitful. See, maybe the problem isn't the environment you're in. All right, Matthew 15. Now, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of background. Matthew chapter 15, the religious people come to Jesus. They actually travel to Jesus this time instead of Jesus going to them. And they come to Jesus and they begin questioning him about something that the disciples are doing. Now, understand that the religious leaders, they didn't just have the laws that we would call the Mosaic Law. They also had all these traditions that they added to the law. Okay, so they had all these things that they did. And one of the things that that they added was they, they talked about, like, making sure that your dishes are clean. Okay, so in other words, don't drink from dirty dishes. How many of y'all you know that's a pretty good tradition, right? So there's nothing wrong with that. And so they came to Jesus and they were like, listen, we have a problem with your followers, Jesus, because you're supposed to be godly. But the tradition says that we're supposed to make sure that our cups are clean when we drink out of them. And then Jesus is like, well, you know, you do a pretty good job of keeping the outside of the cup really clean. But the inside, the underneath, the secret, the root, is dirty. It's filthy. The beneath-the-surface stuff. Right? It's all jacked up. See, you've got the, the fruit. You've got the tree. You've got this thing that's producing. And you've got these other things. But, but, but we don't ever focus, and this is what the series has been about, we don't focus on the secret, what's brewing beneath the surface. And can I tell you that if you allow these weeds, they're going to eventually tear up your root system. They're robbing you. See, God doesn't want us to get rid of this stuff because we like it and we find pleasure. God wants us to get rid of this stuff because it's ruining us. So Jesus speaks up to him and he says this. In verse seven, he says, you hypocrites. Oh, I think he left his, what would Jesus do bracelet home that day? (laughs) You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, these people honor me with their lips. The trees were trees. But their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. Dang. For they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear, listen. He said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Mm. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Hey, uh, Jesus, did you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? It's so offensive, Jesus. That's not PC. And Jesus responded, Every plant not planted by my heavenly father will be uprooted so what is Jesus talking about Jesus is talking not necessarily in yes about the system that was happening all these regulations all these all these commands all these traditions that these guys were holding everybody to that they wouldn't help anybody out Jesus came in and he said you know what I'm going to uproot the system the father and I were going to get rid of these mindsets Come on, we're going to get rid of this system. Everything that my father didn't plant will be uprooted. He will uproot it. So he's talking much deeper, and specifically Jesus. Listen, specifically Jesus is dealing with the religious. But can I tell you today, sometimes it's uprooting the Pharisee in me. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to just sit around and be a person that points at the Pharisee and everybody else. I want to invite the lord lord if you didn't plant that in my life uproot the pharisee in me get rid of the junk that's keeping me from being fruitful who you made me to be i want to be a man after your heart i want to be passionate for jesus let nothing rob me so lord examine me search me dig out the root. I know it's painful I know I really don't want to go through it but Lord I want you to come in and get rid of the junk that's keeping me from growing that's keeping me from producing that's keeping me from influencing the environment around me you got a little soapbox there Thank you tell if you weren't here last week yeah that's why you don't miss I want to talk about three roots everybody say three roots Three roots. Number one, the root of anger. Everybody say anger. Oh. Now typically people deal with one or two things mostly. They deal with fear mostly, or they deal with anger mostly. Some of that's rooted in your temperament, okay? But let's talk about the root of anger. How many know that roots, we talked about this while well ago, grow well in hard places? Right? Roots grow well in hard places. So when we talk about anger, I want to kind of give you some handles for anger. Resentment. Retribution. Rebellion. Rebellion by rebellion, I mean that you're not like, you know, you drive, ride a motorcycle and have long hair. That's what we think, of old school people. No, when we talk about being rebellious, we're talking about your real anti-things. Automatically, you're just like, ugh. You gotta, you, you kind of thrive off being controversial. That's a spirit of rebellion, beloved. Uh, blame. A critical spirit. Now, I'm not talking about being critical thinking. You need to be a critical thinker. Love, love God with all your mind. Come on. But a critical spirit. You're negative. You're passive aggressive. You're sarcastic. Oh. Critical spirit. Unforgiveness. Oh. I could never forgive someone of that. You know, I, I'm convinced that forgiveness, being able to forgive someone against me, is, is totally something that, the reason why the Lord treats us is such a heavy issue is because it's really the gospel message. Is that I realize that, that how jacked up and how offensive I have lived towards God, and then I come to Jesus and he cleansed me from that, it makes, when I get that, it's easy to forgive those in my life. Well, I don't want to say easy, but it's reasonable. Are you with me when you because you got to look at two things right you got to look at my wickedness in contrast to the beauty and the holiness of God and that's something we could really get into today but I'm, I don't want to take the time to do that. If you feel you say, Well, how do I know if I've forgiven someone? I had a conversation with a guy a couple weeks ago and he's in the room, I'm not gonna point him out, but I, he said he said, I, I'm having a hard time forgiving. I said, Well, is it forgiveness or is it hurt? Because you can be hurt and still forgive, right? And I think it's important that we understand those things. Um, if you this is how you know if you haven't forgiven some someone. If you feel entitled to anything, an apology some of money, that you feel like something is owed to you because of what they did, you have not forgiven them. That's how you know. So forgiveness is actually taken from the kind of accounting world, okay? It's, it's taken from money. Like if you call your debtor, if you have a debt, and you say, will you forgive my debt? And they say, yes, we will forgive your debt. That means that they wipe the debt away, okay? If they come to you and they say, well, we'll, we'll wipe out your debt, but you've got to give us $50 still, Of this fifty million dollar loan, or whatever the matter, the amount doesn't matter. If they require anything, then they haven't forgiven the whole debt. The same way with us, if someone has offended us and they've hurt us and they've broken us and they've been nasty to us and ugly to us and sinned against us, broke us, the most come on despised thing that they could do to us. If we expect anything in return, we have not forgiven them. Well, I'm going to forgive them, but I want an apology. Listen, I, I, I want to help you with your process. There's there's nothing wrong with desiring an apology, but I want you to understand if you feel like it is owed, if you feel entitled to it, forgiveness is not taking place. Because forgiveness means that I I, I relieve you from everything that you've done. Okay? Listen, I know that some of you have some deep things that you need to forgive others of, and I'm not trying to be insensitive to that, but we've got to work on this, and we will work on it with you. We will. We'll work on it with you, and we'll, we'll, we'll be there, and we'll deal with the anger, and we'll deal with the tears, and we'll walk you through it. We won't tell you you need to get over it today. We're not going to tell you that. We'll walk with you as long as it takes. We'll be there with you, but beloved, you've got to get to the place where you say, I want to forgive them because it's so good for you it's no good for you to carry that around. It's sucking the life from you. It's no good for you. Bitterness, which typically is involved in unforgiveness, but sometimes people are just hardened. You know, one of the things that, that, that I'm realizing is that just as life goes by, just as I'm getting a little o- older, it's a little easier to be bitter about stuff. Leslie's like, amen, right? But for real, like just life and living life and and going through things and dealing with just little battles, it's it's a little harder to be soft. It's a little harder to be tender, and some of you are realizing this. And um, I had a word. I want to share this, and I I think the Lord wants to do this today. So I I feel like that this is a a good moment. I had a a young man that was in our student ministry. This has been probably I don't know twenty years ago, and I was praying for him at the altar. And I'd never met, nor since, someone as young as him that really dealt with bitterness. Nothing had happened in his life. There, there was no, like, tra- I used to ask him all the time. I'd say, man, bro, like, what, did, did something happen? He's like, no, nothing happened. Everything's good. My family's good. I was like, I was like why are you so hard? And I, I could not pin, you know, we always went the why, right? But I was praying for him one night, and, and I saw his heart covered with a hard shell, and he just had this, and as I laid my hand on him, I prayed for him. I had a, had a, a vision as praying for him that the Lord had a, was pouring oil onto his heart. And as he poured the oil, it would go into some of the little cracks of where that shell was. And the oil would come in as this golden oil began to fill, the hardness began to crumble off. And I think that's what the Lord wants to do to some hearts today. That he wants to come in and he wants to remove all, listen, not, not with a, a sledgehammer, come on, but with the oil of his presence with the oil of the spirit to just come in and soft. You know, it says that this in Isaiah that, that these people would love me. He said that I'm going to I'm gonna basically give them a new heart. I'm going to give them a heart of flesh. I'm going to take away their heart of stone. And so that's what the Lord wants to do today for some of you. He wants to take away your heart of stone. Some of you haven't felt God or experienced God in years, and it could be bitterness. And so what the Lord wants to do is he wants to come in today and he wants to take that old heart of stone, that hard, crusty shell, and he wants to pour his oil into it and give you Heart of flesh, and then he says this, and they will love me. Oh, I love that. And then we talk about anger. We talk about toxic people, right? Well, I need to get rid of. I'll tell you what, the the weeds in my life are toxic people. Let me tell you this: make sure that you don't become toxic in the one eliminating toxic people. Because we're like, oh, they're toxic. I need to eliminate this relationship. Make sure that in the pursuit of eliminating the relationship that you don't eliminate the person. Let me tell you this today, beloved. Don't ever burn a bridge. Don't you ever burn a bridge. How many know that Judas was probably pretty toxic? Jesus loved him to the end. Jesus knew that he would betray him with a kiss. He knew it, but he loved him to the end. Jesus loved Peter through it all through all the denial Through all, the, they were toxic people and Jesus loved them to the end in fact Peter was the one who launched the worldwide revival that we see in the book of Acts because Jesus is willing to stick with are you willing to stick are you willing to love people enough deal with the anger the anger is the real toxic thing it's not usually the person come on Not saying that there's not a place where we come in and we remove people, but make sure that you're not doing that mentally so often in your life where your heart is cold and hardened and bitter. Because I'm afraid a lot of times when we talk about that, people that talk about getting rid of toxic people have done that often. And it should be the exception, not the rule. Okay? And it should be done with counsel. Come on. Wisdom in the multitude of counsel. So let's just be careful on that, removing toxic people. It's pretty annoying. just don't see Jesus doing that. I'm sorry. Number two. Number one, the roots of anger. Number two, the roots of fear. Anxiety. Doubt. Unbelief. Worry. Stress. This is where I'm at. I used to deal with anger a lot when I was younger. This lost that fire. Now I deal a lot more with the fear stuff. Anxiety. Poverty. A poverty mentality. I'm not going to have enough. Or greed. I've got to get it all. All of that's rooted in fear that I won't have, that my heavenly father isn't good enough to provide for me. Fear. Some of you are dealing with fear. Some of you have night tremors. Because, some of you can't sleep at night because you're thinking, what if that goes bad tomorrow? What, Beloved, it is destroying him. Let's get a handle on it today. Number three, unattended weeds. So anger, fear, and unattended weeds. Little weeds. I had these annoying little weeds all over my yard. I just mow over them. They don't go away by mowing over them. Hebrews 12.1 talks about the sin and so easily entangles us. The, the things that catch us up all the time, right? Any, any of y'all got any of those? Y'all, oh, did it again, right? There we go, oops. Song of Solomon 2.15, one of my favorite passages. Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love. For the great, for the grapevines are blossoming. In other words, it's time to be fruitful. Stop letting outside things come in and snag away the fruit and that's what happens when we have these little issues see some of the most destructive and fruit hindering sins are the quiet ones beneath the surface the things that most people don't know about they rob us from being productive and they never get dealt with because we do such a good job of hiding them so we got our little church face right we got our little 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 face on that says i don't really i don't really like what you know someone says what about the struggle in your life and you go what it's like well we all know and you just showed one of them pride right but we, we consider them little issues, because if we considered them big issues, we would be a little bit louder about them. We would, in louder, I don't mean boasting, but louder in the sense of I'm telling somebody so I can get some help. These are the things that destroy us. Because we won't get help, because we want everybody to think we got it all figured out. Beloved, none of us do. So, the uprooting process. The uprooting process. you got to do some work to get rid of those weeds. And beloved, Jesus did the ultimate work. And it's important for us to remember, we're going to get into some practicals here, but listen, it is important to remember through it all, remember. Remember that God is tender towards you, that he is merciful towards you, that he is kind towards you, that he is slow to anger, that he's not not issuing judgment on you. But his, listen, his fury is not towards you, but it's towards the weeds that are growing up around you and inside of you. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 2 says, A time to plant and a time to uproot. I believe today is the day that you start uprooting some things in your life. So remember, listen, no shame. No shame for your issues. The shame will keep your issues there. The shame will keep your issues there. It'll keep you away from God. It'll say, I'm not worthy. You are worthy of his love. Before you were born, you were worthy of his love. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. You're worthy of his love. So remember that in all this. Number one, recognize. Recognize the sin. Oh, it's pride. Oh, it's unforgiveness. Oh, it's self-control. Oh, it's the relationship I had with my dad when I was a kid. Or the relationship I didn't have with my dad as a kid. Recognize the issue. Number two, repent. Repent. God, I'm sorry for carrying this around. Repent doesn't just mean to ask for forgiveness. It actually means to change your thinking. And in change your thinking, you change your direction. Some people say, well, it just means to change your mind. Well, you can't change your direction without changing your mind. And you can't change your mind without changing your direction. Keeping with repentance. Number three, release. This is where it gets hard. I release I release this person. I release this issue. Exercise forgiveness. Release entitlement. Well, I deserve. See, all sin in our lives we justify. Don't we? I deserve. Right? If we didn't justify it, we wouldn't do it. But in our minds we do. Release your entitlement. Number four, rebuke and renounce. Rebuke the sin. Rebuke, not the person. Come on, rebuke the sin. Renounce it. No, you're not welcome here. Luke chapter 17, verse 5. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And he replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. You've got to get some confession in your faith. Listen, that is how you work. Let me just say this. The way that you work faith is by speaking. By speaking. By speaking. Speaking the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You speak the word. You declare the word. Faith always hears before it sees. Faith always hears before it sees. So you hear what God is saying and then you say what God is saying. And you speak to those issues. Bitterness, I command you to be uprooted and be cast into the sea. Anxiety, I command you to be uprooted and to be cast into the sea. Jesus said, if you just have a little bit of faith. Because listen, the way you work faith is you, the way you exercise it is you speak it. Small faith can speak to mountains. Small faith can speak to deep roots to be uprooted. And number five, just receive the pleasure and the love and the affirmation and the forgiveness of your heavenly father. It all starts there and it all ends there. You say, well, Pastor Josh, I've been doing that. Well, if there's a number six and there is, it's repeat, repeat. What do you do? I confess the issue. I exercise forgiveness. I speak. I've been, I've tried that. We'll just do it again. I've done it before, Pastor. Do it again. Let's just do it again.